0: Welcome to Books and Beyond, with your host, Alison. Join us for half an hour of information, entertainment, reading recommendations, and beyond. Brought to you by Auckland Libraries. I know this girl, and she works in a library,
1: yeah. Standing there behind the counter, willing to help with all the problems that I encounter.
0: Helps me find Hemingway, helps me find Janae, helps me find Brett, helps me find Chandler, helps me find James Joy, she always makes
1: the no right. my Hi Day my Kiara and welcome to another lockdown edition of Literary Lounge with Alison and Inca as we celebrate International Women's Day from the comfort of our homes. Kiara Inika. Kiara Allison, how are you? Oh look I'm Doing pretty well here, thanks. Um, now look, are, are you back in the closet?
0: I absolutely am. I am right back in my closet, surrounded by purple blankets. I feel like I'm at Paisley Park. It is a little bit hotter, though, than when we last did it. I think last time was in August, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, it was, yeah. And it's it certainly is warmer. I'm in my sunroom, um, but in a, in a nod to the end of the summer, I'm surrounded by beach towels. Oh, so nice. I just, they're, they're really good at noise reduction.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic.
1: Do you know what? I may also be wearing my swimwear, but um, you'll never know. And to protect you, I've turned off my camera. <laughs> <laughs> I don't was... want to give, give you more nightmares, so... <laughs>
0: It's always best in the morning, anyway, to have the camera turned off. Uh, <laughs> I may or may not be in my radiest cardigan with a lockdown top knot. <laughs> 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 I mean, I am surrounded by clothes here, so I should have made more of an effort, really. Yeah, um, I would have
1: thought you'd make
0: an effort. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I heard this week um, the term, the phrase, "I'm um, groomed for the Zoom." I'd never heard that one before.
1: Oh yes. Now, is that where you wear your PJ? Um, pants and but then you wear a suit top or something you're a bit flasher up on top that's right yeah (laughs) but I haven't bothered I haven't bothered Oh, well, good
0: on you, good on you. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, really, with so many other things that 2020 has taught us, I think we all now know that once and for all, that clothes really don't make it the woman. I mean, unless we're talking full PPE for our amazing frontline workers who absolutely need that. I mean, there's so many women all around the world right now working from home, homeschooling the kids, and they're doing it all wearing the T-shirts and the tracky decks. And really, the best accessory you can have at the moment is a mask. So, you know... What's the point in makeup?
1: That's right. Well, I, I've even found that you know why even bother with mascara or anything. Um, yeah,
0: absolutely.
1: Wear glasses. Yeah. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So shout out to all these these brave and gutsy women we're seeing around us, because what we're um, discovering, aren't we, that the women in leadership positions around the world um, are finding that um, they're communities are having better COVID um, outbreak outcomes.
0: Absolutely, it's a good correlation. We're lucky to be in that little parcel.
1: We are, yes. And, um, you know, we can't celebrate everything because what we are seeing too is that um, women are disproportionately affected by unemployment and um, the loss of income and the additional caring for, for children and family members. So... It's, yep. it's not easy is it
0: for no people. it's not whether you're working in in the home or out the house you know a big shout out to all those amazing women who have been doing it tough for the last year but but you know still doing it
1: and they're still doing it and they they just keep keep on keeping on I I guess they don't have much of a choice so that's you, right to them so um Yeah, so for International Women's Day 2021, the campaign theme is, it's a hashtag, um, choose to challenge. So um, International Women's Day, which is March the 8th, um, is always, it's a global day where we celebrate the the social, economic, cultural and political achievements of women. And it's also um, always a really strong call to action to accelerate women's equality. And, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, more than ever. You know, as we're seeing with the the challenges that, that we're still facing in 2021. Um, yeah, we, let's get this call to action going. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's been some amazing progress, but always still work to do. And um, yeah, let's just keep it moving in the right direction.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Now, um, getting on to some of our books in our collections. The um, Bridget Williams books, um, for a long time, have been a leader in, in writing um, on Aotearoa and New Zealand's women's history. And there's, they've got heaps in their back catalogue. Um, but we'd like to put in a plug um, today for the, the 2016 book, A History of New Zealand Women, by Barbara Brooks. It's... Um, was uh, an award-winning title. It's it's really fantastic. It was researched over about 35 years. And it tells the story of Aotearoa women and the part they've all played and continue to play in building our culture, society, and our, our history. Now, it is one that's only available in hard copy, but you'd want that for the photography. It's a really beautiful book um and you can request it now through our online catalogue and collect it once the libraries are back open which will hopefully be really soon
0: yeah we hope so and there's there's quite a few copies because it was an award winner so yeah absolutely you know enjoy that one um as we are in lockdown currently, um, I thought I would make another quick plug for my favourite online resource, which is the BWB Texts online collection. Um, they're perfect little bites for lockdown reading and particularly for study, for those students who are stuck at home and are trying to work on their social studies or their um, critical thinking, you know, papers. I'm just thinking of the subjects that my my boys are doing right now. Um, yeah. They're guaranteed available any time that you're online and they are actually um, specifically designed for reading on a mobile device or a phone so you can get up with the play on whatever the hot button topics are of the moment and then get on to the next book and really in no time because they're short and really focused.
1: Yep
0: they are great aren't they? They are. I've, today I've just picked out two titles um, by Um, from that and they're written by women who've really knocked it out of the park in their fields there are plenty of others to choose from that um, are looking at issues of gender equality and also those written by um, Aotearoa's finest wahine including titles by Marilyn Waring, Jade Kake and um, of course superstar scientist Susie Wiles as well Yes. But the, the two I've chosen, um, the first one I'm going to speak to you about is um, Hopes Dashed, The e- Economics of Gender and Inequality by Prue Hyman. Now this was published in 2017 and it's a short, sharp update on her 1994 book, uh, Women in, in Economics, A New Zealand Feminist Perspective. Um, it looks at issues around e- economic equality for women, how they've changed and also where they haven't in the time since her last um Big book was published. Now she acknowledges that women's education levels and their job opportunities have increased overall, but because of um, disproportionate representation in those unpaid, low-paid, and often part-time um, jobs, the gender wage gap has really reduced only very slowly over, um, you know, more than a twenty-year period. I had a look to see if it was still the case in 2021, and it's really. Um, that gap has just stalled at about just over 9% since 2017, so not good. Um, But she also reminds us that if you focus on that figure that's actually masking the fact that the wage gap for Māori and Pacific women is much wider again Mm -hmm. and that they also spend uh, more time than most doing unpaid work benefiting their community, so you know, with family, church, koangareo and so many other areas. Um, Now um, Prue Hyman is really passionate about the power of unions and collective action, and she shows how economic policy that is aimed at the general populace, like raising the minimum wage and um, support for the living wage, really are helping the gender wage gap from growing any wider. So you know, lots of support there for that. And she mentions the pay equity case um, that was led by Christine Bartlett for um, for carers. Oh, yes. Yeah, that was ongoing at the time. So I'm really glad to say that, you know, that one had a happy ending and it's launched more successful pay equity claims as well. So, um, you know, that's kudos there wonderful thing one thing that she really worries about though is that um that we'll achieve um a 50 percent where women occupy half the jobs at all levels but that nothing else structurally changes so for her it's all about a large-scale structural change that's what she'd really like to see is that you know compassion and cooperation are, are put above individualism really in our society so yeah this is this is her dream and we hope it happens
1: yes absolutely oh and she's a great writer yeah so that's a one to, to recommend now um speaking of, of cooperation um, as opposed to individualism there's one that um, I'd like to talk about um, and this is a great book um, by um, dr. Milani um, and it's the the platform. The Radical Legacy of the Polynesian Panthers, Ah, uh, published last year. And actually, you were um, telling me a bit about that this morning, weren't you?
0: Yes, this is actually the last publication um, of BWB Tech, so it came out late last year. And this is um, uh, Dr. Arnai's personal story of her membership and in, um, in involvement in the Polynesian Panther movement and its founding years between 1971 and 1974, and then her return to, um, to the movement after 30 years um, out of it. So... Um, Uh, Dr. Anai, she grew up in sort of Newton, Grey Lynn, Ponsonby and K Road in the 60s and 70s. And she was a first generation Samoan New Zealander with lots of family expectations around being a good girl. Um, She was attending church. She was caring for her very, very sick mother. And she was also hitting those academic heights um, but uh, as the only non-Pakeha girl in her form in that final year of school.
1: Yeah, because she went to Auckland Girls.
0: Yes, she did. She did. Now, she had a um, real tragedy strike. Um, she lost seven members of her immediate family in a plane crash when she was in high school. And her mother died of cancer. And um, she was really, really hit hard by this. And she went looking for the sort of sense of community and a purpose. And she ended up joining the Polynesian Panthers when she was just 17 years old um, uh, without telling her father. Mm. Uh, she was um, she was really drawn to their commitment um, to educate, to liberate, and all the work that they were doing to end uh, disparities and discrimination that she was seeing happening in her own community. And they also had a real focus on empowerment of Pacific peoples. Uh, so this is a really good little primer of all those different strands of work of the Panthers um, that they were involved in. Um, yeah, they ran so many things, didn't they, Alison? Yeah, they
1: did. And... Um because they, they ran homework centres, they really believed in educating. Um, and um, so the homework centres for the, the after-school kids, they did a lot of legal aid um, type of groups and they had publications that, I um, they sort of had underground presses that, um, yeah. that published things like, you know, what to do if you're arrested um, and accused of being an overstayer, that sort of thing. And they... Used to visit rest homes and give concerts to the, the elderly folk there, mm. um, who were mainly Pālāni. and um, so these um, residents in facilities would say things like, "Oh, so you speak English?" <laughs> it would be incredible to hear that because these young folk were all born in New Zealand. That's so right. <laughs> of course, they were going to be fluent in English. Um,
0: That's right. They had a real focus as well on trying to, because they did have a number of ex-gang members and gang members in the Polynesian Panthers, so part of their community building was all about sort of showing that, you know, um, community activism could be produced by people who were, um, you know, ostensibly on the outside of, uh, outsiders kind of group, I suppose. Yes. Um, But they they did... um, As well as those sorts of community building things, they were really um, working in the areas of passive resistance and, of course, civil disobedience when it was needed. So they they were involved in in countering and highlighting that racism that was inherent in, in um, the policies leading to the dawn raids. Um, That really really affected the overstayers from the pacific in a way that you know the overstayers from the uk who were apparently the largest group of overstayers in new zealand were never of course subjected to and so there's some really interesting stories about how they did that um in the book she's she connects her work in the panthers to its roots in pacific culture and practice and she talks about how it had a long lasting effect on her life Um, she's continued her work um, by teaching um, polynesian panthers history and awareness programs in schools and she's um works as the senior lecturer in pacific studies at the university of auckland and in her role there she's done so much work um she's um, particularly developed and taught courses uh, focusing on, or teachers courses focusing on ethnic identity journeys for people who have grown up in Aotearoa and people who have also moved from the islands to be in Aotearoa and how they sort of manage that. Yeah. In terms of the um, the gender side of things, um, you know, she really liked the fact that the Panther structure was um, formalised equality between men and women. That was really an important part of it for her. But she does note that the sisters of the movement haven't always been given that equal recognition and kudos for all the work that they did behind the scenes. Um, um, she actually met met the Black Panthers when she was visiting the US and brought home resources for um, the Polynesian Panthers and sort of created stronger connections between the two groups as well.
1: Yeah, oh, how interesting.
0: Yeah, she made some really interesting points about um, those sort of cultural complexities of, of being a Samoan woman um, butting up against palangi feminism yeah Mm -hmm. so she's got some interesting points to make about that and she also talks a bit about um the solidarity that the panthers had with um the um with maori and tangata whenua and particularly um and yeah and what she's how she's gained strength from those relationships um going forward as well yeah yes really good little read that really readable and, uh, yeah, very timely. It's the 50th anniversary of the founding of the Polynesian Panthers this year.
1: Yes. Yeah. And, oh, what an interesting woman. And she's doing such important work, isn't she? Absolutely. Yeah. And, um, of course, there is a um, uh, currently an exhibition honouring the, the Polynesian Panthers, um, running as, as part of the Auckland Arts Festival until the 25th of March. And that's at... Um, The Auckland Studio One, Toy Two, um, and it's called Polynesian Panthers Dawn Raids Educate to Liberate. That's right.
0: Yeah, yeah. and Pauline Smith, who wrote um, My New Zealand Story Dawn Raid, which is a really fabulous children's book, um, has been really instrumental in bringing that to life with her research and her interviews. So, yeah, absolutely one to visit once everything's back open again. Um, That's in Ponsonby
1: yeah oh no really worth it, worth a visit now um just uh, traveling to the other end of the world not that we really can at the moment but um taking us up to in the north of alaska i've just been reading a um and a really interesting one um called raising ourselves a quitchin coming of age story from the yukon river by um a writer called velma wallace and it's available in the libraries in hard copy um now this is so interesting velma wallace was born in 1960 and she was one of 13 children and they lived in a um two-room log cabin in the remote area of alaska uh, called fort yukon which um only it was a village and it only had about 600 or so people in, in its population and. Wow. Uh, Velma's father died when she was only 13 and so she had to leave school to help her mother raise the younger siblings. So as I say, she was one of 13 kids and um, they basically, their life was ruled really by living off the land um, and trying to stay warm, of course. So (laughs) the the, the chopping wood, um, getting water from the river, moose hunting, that'd be scary, (laughs) and Uh, your fur trap and taking care of, of your dogs, because that was a huge relationship. Um, and they, the Gwich'in people, for thousands of years, really had been migra- migratory people. Mm-hmm. Um, but a couple of generations before 1960s, um, the people had settled um, in in this uh, Yukon area. Um, so. And that changed everything for them when they stopped being um, nomadic. Mm. But um, she discovers um, and writes so well about it. About um, when they sort of stopped um, the way they did, they s- surrendered their language and their traditional values and and their religion basically to white to the white teachers and missionaries and traders. Mm. And of course. Um, Usual story. They got wiped out by the flu epidemics that that raged through the areas. Mm. The uh, yeah. So um, in a way, and they felt like strangers in in their own land. So it's a it's a really sobering and gritty story, but it's there's a lot of laughter in it too. Um, grief, laughter, and hope. Mm. So. What I really like about Vilma Wallace, though, is that she was always um, such an avid reader. Somehow she managed to, uh, even though she had to leave school so early, she managed to read, and it's the reading that has saved her, I think. She's mm. written quite a few other books, and she's transcribed a lot of northern Alaskan legends into, into books. So in a way, she's saved so much of their culture. So I just think she's an amazing woman.
0: She sounds wonderful. Well, that's a massive achievement.
1: Absolutely, yeah. So um, uh, going to a a younger woman who's also amazing. Yeah,
0: a little bit further south, hey.
1: (laughs) Yes, just a bit further south is the amazing 22-year-old Amanda Gorman, um, poet and and activist. Um, Now, people may uh, recognise the name, because she um, read that amazing poem at, the, at Joe Biden's um, inauguration. Yes. And the poem is called The Hill We Climb. Um, so, yeah, she's an amazing young woman. Her work um, focuses on issues of oppression, feminism, race, marginalisation, um, as well as the African diaspora in the United States and beyond, she was the first person to be named the National Youth Poet Laureate in the state, and that was in 2017. Mm-hmm. Uh, she'd already published; uh, she was a published poet already by then. Um, she went to Harvard. I think her her twin sister might have gone to Harvard as well, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, so delivering that poem, "The Hill We Climb," was. Um, it was such an amazing experience to to witness that absolutely, um, it, it was a standout wasn't it? Yeah, she just did, did so well we'll um, include a link to that, that performance on our blog post um, so she's a bestseller now her poetry is, is just um, selling like anything as you can imagine <laughs> um, and then she's been highlighted in Time Magazine's um, a hundred people to watch um, under the category of phenoms, yeah. which I guess I'm, I was going to ask you earlier, actually, I guess that does that mean like phenomenal people?
0: I guess I might be a bit old to know what that means, but it sounds like that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and um, she's just such an amazing woman. And she said uh, quite seriously that she does intend to run for president in 2036. So I think, go for her, you know. Can't wait. Whoop, whoop. (laughs) And um, just um, a tiny little piece from that amazing poem that that she delivered. I won't do it justice, but um, she says, and I'll try and read this in a way that is okay. Um, We, the successes of a country and a time, where a skinny black girl descended from slaves and raised by a single mother can dream of becoming president, only to find herself residing for one. Oh, it's that is lovely. Amazing, isn't it? Now, the the book um, of the poem um, is um, due to be published soon. It's, it's this month sometime, so I can't wait for the libraries to... get that i know we'll buy masses of copies oh fabulous well on
0: a related presidential note um there's also becoming um the a version that's been adapted for young readers by michelle obama that's just been released a a couple of days ago so that that'll be arriving in the libraries too so if you enjoyed becoming and you want to pass it on to younger younger people in your family get in the queue for that one as well as the hill we climb um i just had a couple of quick short shout outs for um, books of speeches by women of not a certain age, but just of their own age. I've got one Mm. at either end of the age spectrum. Mm. Both have loud voices and both not afraid to speak out. So the first one is um, Women in Power, a Manifesto by Mary Beard. Now, um, Professor Mary Beard is 66 years old slash young, and Mm. um, she's a professor of classics at Cambridge University, and she's an author, and she's a TV star. Um, Women in Power is a little pocket-sized book of two lectures that she's presented in the last five years, um, The Public Voice of Women and Women in Power. Um, She looks at the long history of women's voices being silenced from um, ancient Greece, to women's higher voices being described as shrill, whiny and strident, particularly for politicians, and looking at Twitter shoutdowns and getting criminal threats via her DMs. Luckily, Mary Beard is a troll slayer par excellence. So, yeah, someone to definitely follow on Twitter and to keep an eye on. Um, My second is Greta Thunberg's No One is Too Small to Make a Difference. Um, This was republished in 2019 as an expanded collection of 16 of Greta Thunberg's speeches, including probably her most famous um, Our House is on Fire. Now, Greta was just 15, 16 years old when she was delivering these in parliaments and in front of huge audiences um, of very influential people all across the world. And of course, she inspired a global youth movement. Now, you may, might not you know, dive in and read all 16. I would say just dip into a few of them to get one of those invigorating shots of youthful, righteous anger, mm. her clear vision and um, that lesson on how to street, uh, speak truth to power. Now, both of these titles are available as Overdrive eBooks and Greta's is also available in e-audio if you want to hear it from her directly.
1: Sounds good. Yes, it's often good to to hear the, um, <clears throat> the actual writer, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, so I was just going to um, quickly talk about another one I, I've been reading and this is one that's good to dip in and out of as well and it's called The Book of Gutsy Women. And it's by Hillary and, and Chelsea Clinton. So um, in this one, um, Hillary and, and Chelsea share stories of the gutsy women who've inspired them, because you've got to admit that both Hillary and her daughter, Chelsea, are strong, strong, achieving women. Absolutely. And they're women who've got, they've got the courage to stand up to the status quo, to ask tough questions and... Get the job done, even if it makes you unpopular. In the in the process, um, Hillary says that you know, growing up, she hardly knew any women who worked outside the home, um, but her heroes were her mother, her teachers, um, and then people like Amelia Earhart. Mm. Um, you know, just amazing women like that. And and Chelsea talks um, a lot about, of course, growing up. Um, uh much later her <laughs> <laughs> mum. Um, the world was a bit different. But um there was still she could still see that um what could she see that um that there was a lot of work to still be done and um that women often had to come overcome, you know, that sort of really tough resistance to get, get jobs done. So mm. um, the book is, is great. They've got um, masses of, of activists, strong women, writers, LGBTQ trailblazers, you name it. They've got it. Um, and uh, I really recommend it. It's a great one to, to dip in and out of when you need, a, as you say, a shot of courage. Awesome. And, and um, look, and as the top twins say, sometimes you've got to stand up and you've got to have guts. So... Um, Wiser words
0: never spoken.
1: (laughs) Yes, that's right. So, look, on that note, have a gutsy day, um, Inika. And um, to our listeners, look, thanks for tuning in today and take good care of yourselves, won't you? Stay strong. Uh, Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Haere rā. kakite anō.
0: This program was brought to you by Auckland Libraries. Find us online at aucklandlibraries.govt.nz and catch the program next Sunday at 9.35pm on 104.6fm or anytime online at planetaudio.org.nz slash books and beyond.